Welcome to Not Your Enemy Speakout Sessions with hosts Shannon Reynolds of Visionary Creative Concepts and Branding and Jared L. White, the man behind the creative brand Tim K. Unlimited. Together, they are the co-creators of the Not Your Enemy Collections. The Not Your Enemy Speakout Sessions are a forum to continue conversations amongst Black artists, creatives, and cultivators. We are excited for you to join our conversation. This is not your enemy speak out sessions. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions. It's your girl Shannon, and I'm here with the amazing Mr. Jared White. Good, good morning. morning, good morning, good morning. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. I feel good. I think it's gonna have another great show. I can't wait to get into it. So I'm happy, happy to be here. Saturday. It's a happy <laughs> Saturday. So I feel like it's a common trend at this point. We have um, an amazing special guest, another Temple alum. She is a writer, philanthropist. She is a, I'm, she's a social media influencer, period. I'm going to say that. Miss Tasika Lloyd, how are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you. I'm very, very good. I'm very good now that I've seen y'all faces. It's been so long. I, I feel so disconnected. So this feels good. I'm so excited. Like, honestly, first of all, regardless of what we talk about, um, me and Jared are obsessed with your voice because you are like such, I don't know, like, I feel like you're just born to storytell. Like, your voice is just so, ah, so I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, We start off all the interviews asking the same question, and that's basically how has the current social climate impacted you? It could be professionally, personally, and that could, I mean, there's a lot going on, so... (laughs) <laughs> That's a good question. How has it not impacted me? Right. Uh, first, the biggest way that it's impacted me is my daughter feels like my roommate now. Um, <laughs> she's, I don't feel as much of her parent as I used to. I feel like she is my roommate. <laughs> and now she, she has more of a say in what happens in the house because she's in it all the time. And so it's been very strange to watch her become someone's friend, roommate. Like it's, it's, it's like we argued the other day over like lollipops. And I was like, you're going to be someone's roommate one day. You need to be more considerate. And she's like, you are my roommate. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't pay bills, honey. So technically, <laughs> you're not my roommate. But that has been the, the biggest difference because usually when they're in school, you have this moment of drilling into them, continue your schoolwork, do right, be a good person. Now I'm like, girl, if you want to take a nap, take a nap. I mean, turn that Zoom off, child. If I, right. can't, if I can't do it, I know you can't at 15 right. for hours, right? Um, so that's the biggest difference for me. Difference for me. The second biggest difference that usually I'm pretty laid back about. I I love people from a distance. You know, you don't have to talk to me to not to know that I'm rooting for you. Um, I'm one of those people, like, you'll never see me, but I've heard your podcast. I've I've listened. I've watched what you're doing. I've shared it. I've, like, told people, like, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, I just, I'm just really quiet. I should get better at that, though. But Corona has taught me to, to very much live out loud. Um, you know, it's, like you said, at the earlier part of the show, it's, like, give people their flowers. I tend to do it when they're not around 
And I mean, yeah, that's good too. However, you should know that I love your podcast or you should know that I'm like, listen to this and put it on bully people who are with me. Yeah, listen to this. Uh, People should know that. So I'm, that has impacted me a lot because I recognize like when you're alone and you're isolated, you need the flowers even more. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see other people, you get empowered and encouraged on the day to day. But when you're in your space for days and months at a time, every compliment is the one that's going to help you hold on a little bit more. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, third, I guess I'll go to workplace. It is, it is incredible to live in a world where I imagined none of this. So being a storyteller, it's like, that is not a job. Like, you know, it, when I was growing up, it wasn't a job. Right? Yeah. My parents would be like, girl, if you don't be a lawyer, you know, a scientist, or like a forensic scientist, then you need to figure it out. Uh, so I never grew up thinking that I could work from home. I never grew up thinking that my interests would be a livelihood. I never grew up thinking that I could have flexibility in my career in the way that I do. So in Corona, it has really shown me like God shows off. You know, like God yeah. shows off. And so I've I've kind of adopted this phrase. Um, I have a psychologist from work and she's so amazing. Everyone should get one uh, if you can. And she, I was telling her about how I've moved through life very afraid of storytelling because it's so raw, it's so vulnerable. And even though I do it, it doesn't mean it's easy. And she like looks at me with the ultimate serious face and she says, if you could do all this afraid and anxious, imagine what you could have done if you believed in yourself. And I was like, Ooh, Katie, <laughs> do not drag me on a Wednesday. <laughs> Save the drag for the Thursday and the Friday, you know? And, and that was like what I really that has probably the workplace stuff has probably impacted me the most as a person that if you are moving especially black people we're always afraid we're always moving with a sense of anxiety because hmm, the others so as we move in those those spaces feeling those emotions we do have to like put ourselves in check and arm ourselves with our own empowerment and encouragement because if we could do all of these amazing things under duress imagine what we could have accomplished if we just paused for a second and said today I will not be afraid right and and that's the one that sticks with me the most now how hard is it to actually implement I'll let y'all know in a year <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a gem right that was a, that was yeah a gem. she like, came out of nowhere with that showing off she's showing right. off today and we don't even think about that, like how hard it is that we, how hard we are on ourselves, number one, even when we're in the midst of doing things. But if we would just give ourselves that grace and then realize that we can accomplish so much just by arming ourselves, like you said, with 
just I can't do this. And I am I am built to do this, you know, because God just show up and show you what time it is when it's time for you to pull up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like you haven't been on this journey this whole time. Like I haven't been giving you all these tools of the trade this whole time for you to you're here. <laughs> exactly. Right. God already looking at you funny, like right. now you're gonna feel like I wasn't here the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. So um, you spoke about your interests, and we know that you have a multitude of them. But one of the interests that I'm curious about yours that I don't think I even knew this, like your interest in studying people. You know, what led you down that path? Oh my goodness, I'm I'm a chicken head for that. Let me. <laughs> so, I just don't know how to mind my business sometimes. That's what it is. I <laughs> I am just I, I can't. I am. I have a very very intentional sophisticated moral code i like it's in me it's been in me since i was a child i don't like nothing funny going on don't get cute around me (laughs) do not Mm. and i originally went in to temple with english and biology because i wanted to be a forensic scientist and then i had the baby and i was like yeah i (laughs) I have enough darkness in my life right now. I don't want to see no more darkness in these crime scenes or whatever. So I ended up switching to sociology and African-American studies. And it was really because I know there's this, this trend of I'm an empath. I'm an empath. You know, I'm like, okay. Ooh, you call that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got tea for that. So uh, everybody says, not everybody, a lot of people as they grow older and are more exposed to the different facets of spirituality, a lot of people are saying, I'm an empath. I can feel what other, pe- other people feel. And it drains me. And I'm <laughs> are you really <laughs> are you really because you're not even nice right you're not even you're not even a good person right percent of the time uh, so for me when i say when i say i don't even say i'm an empath but it's funny because like at work I literally lead sessions on empathy. And all day I tell people, you're not as empathetic as you think you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't think of myself as an empath because I think the label is contrived. However, empathy is exercise. And so I do feel what people feel, right? A part of it is intuition. A part of it is spirituality. A part of it is I'm a Black woman and these are tactics for survival, right? Black people, we've had to walk into a room and notice things because we're like, oh, this this looks like a scary movie and we don't never survive, so I have to go. Um, We have that in our DNA. So that's a part of those things. The next level of empathy is exercise and action. And so when I do walk into a room and feel like somebody is going through something or lying about something or hiding something or anxious about something, it's not me just knowing that. It's me opening the door to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling from you. Let's talk about it. What's going on here? How can I help? Um, What do you need? That is next level empath right people are saying they feel these things but you walk away you mean to tell me you you felt that the good sister was depressed and you mm-hmm. and you went to the store right you know what I'm saying? like right. that's like 
you're not as an you're not as much of an empath as you think you are. You're a good observer, right? <laughs> you're a good observer. We'll give you that. Yeah, we'll give you that one. You can put that one to the you can take that one to the bank. But empath, empathy is exercise. It's action. It's holding yourself accountable for changing the direction of this emotion that may be taking this person to a darker, darker place. Does that mean you fix everybody? No, hate that phrase too. And I use the word hate intentionally. Um, We're not into fixing people. We are really into understanding the human condition and figuring out what are the tools, resources, assets you need to have a better life outcome. And that was really interesting to me because a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm going to talk about white people today because they get on my nerves. White people will say, oh, black and black crime. Let's talk about no after school programs. Let's talk about no reintegration programs into society. Let's talk about bad health care. Let's talk about food deserts. How did you get to step 35? And we have not discussed step one, right? Mm -hmm. So. In that way, it's like a lot of people will talk about the outcomes, talk about what's happening, but they don't talk about the journey that got us there. And the other thing that I love, love, love about sociology was in the social science in general, we really don't look at things as good or bad, unless there's exceptions, right? If you're a sociopath, yeah, yep, yep, you're, you're, you're a bad one. <laughs> you're, something's going on there. Uh, we can we can declare that with 100% accuracy. Hmm. However, we don't, for majority of other emotions, behaviors, we're not seeing them as bad or good. We're seeing them as things that are and helping you understand how did you get there? And if you want to make a change, how do we get you to that change? So when we talk about empathy and empaths, if you're judgmental, you're not an empath, right? Like if you're, if you are fiercely judgmental, you're not an empath. Mm. Um, and in sociology, you know, Temple's programs are intense. <laughs> they be walling on us. It wasn't until I graduated that I realized everybody, everybody's undergrad experience is not like ours. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so y'all didn't have to do that? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, that was for my undergrad. That was for my undergrad degree. Mm-mm. And they they walked out on me, but in in that program, we ran a lot of interviews with sexual assault victims, um, formerly incarcerated and currently incarcerated people, and it was really powerful to sit across from someone and hear the scariest, just life threatening, some of the hardest things you can hear, and say and compose yourself and say, I am not here to judge this person. Mm. I am not here to be another lecturer in their life. I am here to listen to how their life spilled out into this and creating that safe space for them to get there. Mm. So I think that's why I chose sociology and like, and I stuck with it in the sense of like the jobs that I took and how I bring it to work with me every day. There's just so much power in listening and applying the second step that people forget. Um, There's so much power in hearing someone's story, seeing exactly where something went left and saying, hey, if you want another alternative, here's some options. As opposed to saying, 
Damn, that's crazy. Mm. You know, that's like, okay, that's that's not helping anybody. Um, so I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And now we're seeing the, the rise of social scientists because culture has shifted so much. Now everybody's asking us, what do you think will happen? I told you we could make predictions 10 years ago. You thought you thought my major was a joke. <laughs> so now it's popped up and it's really good to, to hear people think more critically about environment and nature and nurture and psychological components that impact how people respond to things. Yeah. There's that's, more that's, to it. Yeah, there's a lot. It's beautiful that people are moving in that realm of just understanding themselves better, understanding their journey better. And hoping hopeful that they'll make the right decision but even if they don't that that judgment of that piece about not judging is i think the important part that a lot of people you know should hopefully start to take away from as we move forward yeah yeah <laughs> but you know the crazy thing is like that's because talking like student center days your office was like your <laughs> office you know what i mean like everybody came and was like loaded all of their problems whatever and I don't even think you know this. When you started sociology, I started taking classes. I ended up getting a minor in it. So that was <laughs> from time. Oh, like, I didn't know I that. Like, I was this close to like, I was like, should I double major? I was like, no, nah, I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to get out. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I was like, mm, I'm just going to get this minor, catch that. And like, <laughs> but Tavik has always been like that. Just like always so easy to talk to. Always like, I literally, she was a student center therapist. Just saying, not <laughs> office. Yeah, it's 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 odd to see it like come together in like real time right yeah. like that is true and, and I never picked up on it in that way I was just like oh I love everybody come talk to me what's going yeah. on no had I had known she was having office hours I would have booked a few sessions I, I would have been far better off than I am now you know I'll get your information later we'll, we'll yes let me tell you I have friends <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter how long we haven't spoken. They're like, I need time on your calendar. I'm like, no, I'm free at three. What's up? <laughs> Call me. What's going on? Um, yeah, it, it's incredible to watch. It's almost like um, babies, they are who they are when they're born. It's the weirdest thing ever. As a parent, you're like, wow, you were doing that out the womb, and now you're 15 still doing that. Very odd, very strange behavior. And now it's almost like when I see people from college, it feels that way. Like you were doing that in college and look at you all grown up and doing it. I love it. I love it. I think we all found our, our spots and yeah. the ones that haven't will eventually, hopefully. So I guess my question, cause you know, I stalk you, even though we don't talk all the time, I do stalk you and what you're doing. I support. Stuff. And so <laughs> um, do you consider yourself a social activist? Cause I remember I didn't get, to join but you like did this whole thing about black women in the workplace and the email the email um workshop that was like but i just feel like that was like a form of activism you know what i mean because i feel like you're you're arming people with the tools they need to function yeah <laughs> just to function right that right. Uh, black people we got it tough uh yeah i guess um yeah, I could say that. I mean, I could agree to that. I think I don't lead with it in in the tactical sense of there are some folks who do social activ activism in very 
political spaces, in the legislature space, in right. the architecture of our our society space. Think Jameer Burley, also Temple alum. Tiffany Thompson, also Temple alum. Right, they do that. the The structure mm-hmm. of social activism and and equity and equality. So it's essentially like they've built this house for us and they're building this house for us. And I greet you at the door, right? So it's different, different ways to be a social activist. In my way, I think that moral code that's in me that doesn't let me shut up is, is my way. Uh, and it's my way, I guess, because freedom is, is, is not given, you know, and I wish it were, I wish it were, it's not given. And before you fight for it, right, before you like put on your armor and go and fight for freedom, you have to understand how intricate bondage is. And so for me, that is where I feel like that's my contribution. I communicate well, I've studied people, still studying people, I've looked at these patterns and cultural trends and I'm like, hey, let me tell you something you haven't seen yet. Well, let me show you something that you have yet to identify. And in that way, that's a different contribution. And then I don't like bullies. So I just, I don't shut up. Like I just feel like there is always two two types of people. There's the fight people, and then there's the mystery. Fight, flight, or freeze. And depending on what's happening, we could be either one of those people. We can have either one of those responses. For me, my fight response is on 99% of the time. 99% of the time, I am ready to slap somebody. Um, And I know that there are a lot of people who are in light or freeze mode right and that's no shade and that's no judgment because it's just true it's a response to trauma that because they're in that flight or freeze mode they may not stand up for themselves they may not have the words to stand up for themselves they may not have the context to even know that harm is actually being done and so for me if I know and 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 me knowing is a direct directly correlated to privilege right i only know certain things because i had access to higher education because i had access to a safe home to grow up in All, i know that's privilege so a part of my social activism is activating my privilege and saying you may not know this because you didn't get the opportunity to go to an institution like mine who teaches you all of these things. So I'm going to step in for you until you get there. Uh, And so in that way, I think I'm a social activist. But I also lean on the side of, one, don't bully nobody. Two, educating people on the systems that we live in because they are very complex. Three, help because if we don't, if we don't get a hand on the healthcare system as it relates to black people specifically, you mm. can't fight a war from the grave, right? So I need people to be healthy and alive because the battle rages on. Mm. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I need you 
you to know that this doctor is not on your side. Let me tell you why. <laughs> well, to me, this is all scream social activism because you are uplifting and elevating the culture and you're elevating us as a people. You're doing so much more than other people who have the re- the have all of these resources <laughs> <laughs> to do so, you know, even when they're our own skin color and that that's no shade to a lot of people. But so for me in my eyes and what I've been hearing, like you are definitely that for me because that is changing the narrative in so many different people's lives and giving them an opportunity once again to know that they can be doing more oh yeah there's always more to do (laughs) pick a seat and i'll give you an assignment (laughs) um and then this has also been translated into the business i was a marketing guy and at some point you know i wanted to get in get that business and get that money (laughs) and and that's and that was my focus and i think that that has a lot to uh some benefits to that and some positives as well and i know that you've been doing this work with businesses as well with communications and culture can you please tell us more about that because i'm so fascinated that's my baby (laughs) um so what a byproduct of the sociology major degree whatever ended up being in communications um that's where i recognize okay i can transform complex information into very simple ideas so that people can do something that would be helpful for our community um and when i went to communications you know communications and marketing our sisters mm-hmm. they're like side by side all the time uh, those marketing tables though whoo, those marketing tables will show you injustice quickly okay <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows that but like you want to see inequity and inequality go to a marketing meeting it's, mm-hmm. it's insane to see yeah. how people talk to different groups yep. and what they think it's unbelievable I know okay? I, I love it <laughs> yeah you know it's like it's like the twilight zone in a marketing meeting all the time. So what that really started to bother me. It started to bother me because in those marketing meetings and comms meetings, because sometimes they are together, sometimes they're apart. The people making decisions for the information that gets communicated to us do not know or care about the impact of that communication. So for instance, when we talk about um, the mask situation, right? There'll be health organizations in the US predominantly that will say, wear a mask, wear a mask for your neighbor. Um, Have you met America? We don't do anything for our neighbor. <laughs> we don't do anything for our neighbor. Only the only communities that do for their neighbors are black communities and communities of color, communities that are bonded by trauma, by lack of access, lack of resources, and have to stick together as a mode of survival. Those communities are more community-oriented, more family-oriented. Now, take that into consideration. You've taken all of those beautiful aspects of those communities, and you've compromised them by making us compete against each other. Right. So there's only four jobs and only one can go to one black girl. Now I don't care about my neighbor, black girl. Right. Because me and her are competing. So you've kind of tarnished the way that those cultures had inherently behaved before they were embedded in this American 
individualistic culture. So when we're in these marketing and communications meetings and we're talking about how do we get more people to wear masks? Well, I mean, America is a very ego-driven culture and we like to look good and we like to feel like we spent money and we like to show off. Then maybe the campaign should have been wear your mask, your most creative mask, and maybe you'll get a prize. Maybe you'll get featured. Maybe you'll get interviewed. Like there should have been something that spoke to our cultural components as opposed to just saying wear a mask. They don't have any, and when I say they, people at the highest levels of the functions of society that impact our life have no interest in talking and talking to us in a language we understand, none whatsoever. They think that this, this message, one message can be used as a blanket statement for all of these different communities, not realizing that some things are offensive in one community and good in one another community. Um, there are just certain things that different communities do and don't do. Now, when we think about what Black people have been through in the United States, it's very awkward. First of all, I'm in hoodies 99% of the time. It's very scary for me to wear a hoodie and a mask and got my Black skin peeking out. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. I'm like, ooh, I just... I don't want to do this. Or, you know, my little cousins and my nephews who are Black men, specifically tall, strong. I mean, they're also in hoodies a lot. It's like, I don't know if we can do this, you know? Right. Um, and instead, the all of the onus was on the people. It was all on the people to wear your mask and and go outside or whatever. It was never on the police to say, hey, slow down or put a complete stop but you know that's not going to happen nope. um but slow down on profiling because we need people to wear their masks you can't just pull people over because they're black Ooh. right now right you should have talked to them first that's who you should have talked to first um you should have talked to the department of labor how can we get people their money so that they don't have to be on the street because they have to feed their children Hello, like a black man in a hoodie wearing a mask, he's outside because he has to go to work because nobody decided that all these taxes we pay should cover this. Mm -hmm. So it was in those in those meetings, I am like infuriated. And I realized that they lack cultural congruence, which is essentially tailoring something to match the culture that it's for. So if you were, you know, drafting a commercial and your target audience was black women in the commercial, if there was a black woman with her purse, she wouldn't put her purse on the floor. Right. Cause we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do that. At all. <laughs> so you, you making a commercial for us, but you, you got this black woman in a commercial with her bag on the floor. That's crazy to us. No, I'm not buying from you. I don't trust you. You are a liar. You are not. <laughs> You are not who you say you are, right? Um, it could be something as simple as that. It could also be something as complex as you are creating health communications and you are saying, oh, only certain people get the vaccine. Well, how the hell am I supposed to know if I'm part of the only certain people 
portion, right? You want to target the black audience, you could say something like, if you have asthma or diabetes, you need to get this vaccine, you're going to be first in line. Why? Because we know that asthma and diabetes disproportionately affect the black community. So if we saw that, we'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to head on down and get this little vaccine real quick. Um, or you can also say like, hey, we know that there have been disparities in the healthcare system. Here's all of the information that we have around the vaccine. Here are all of the things that reply and are a response to your valid skepticism, right? Or why didn't you deploy Black doctors, right? Like, you want me to go where and take what from who? Right. I'm going to stay in the house. <laughs> I'm going to stay in the house. Um, and so in that way, communications and culture, we when we're there and clients sign up, we look at all of your communications. We look at everything that you want to say, you have said, what you hope to say in the future, what you're thinking about saying. And then we really drill down to your target audience. Who is your target audience? Not just the age, not just where they live or how much money they make, but what do they do on the weekends? Um, how, what kind of phone do they have? Uh, do they have kids? Um, how many kids do they have? Do they go to college? Are they into reality TV? Things that make up a person. And then we target those communications appropriately. And we really optimize it for every single audience that you're interested in. So you don't come off as tone deaf. You don't come off as in inconsiderate. You don't come off as fake. If you're talking to Black women, you should sound like a Black woman. Right. <laughs> it's not hard. Um, but it means that you have to be intentional and respectful of the language in which black women speak. And a lot of people aren't. Um, I don't know if you saw this video, it was like circulating on social media. It was this black comedian, cannot remember her name. I want to say it's like Lene. And the skit is her talking to herself. Um, but she's playing two different characters and she doesn't say, she almost doesn't say any words. So she's communicating with another black girl like, mm, no, <laughs> right? Like, and like, if you're black, even, like, even if you're not a black woman, but if you're black, you know exactly what they're talking about because mm -hmm. you know how we get down. Like, you know how we move. And I was like, this, this, should have been from Nike. This should have been from Ivy Park. This should have been from all of these major companies that we buy from. Why don't doesn't any of your material sound like us? Mm -hmm. And I mean that is that is really what I work on because I I often feel like as a black girl, a Caribbean girl, and and even a girl just from New York too, when people hear a black woman speak, it's like their ears close. It's it's like, you know, she don't sound like me, so I don't have to take her seriously. Or she speaks abonic, so I don't have to take her seriously. Or she speaks African-American vernacular English, I don't gotta take her seriously. Um, first of all, don't, don't let how I speak to my people get you confused. <laughs> don't let, it's not an indicator of intelligence, right? 
In fact, it speaks to higher intelligence because I can move in different languages as I need to. When a child speaks French and English and Russian, they're prodigies, right? They're, oh my God, there's this one. Oh my God, little Timmy is just so amazing. Um, <laughs> however, Jackson over here can speak Ebonics, can talk like y'all white folks, and hustle through some Haitian Creole if he needs to. Mm -hmm. And speaks a little bit of Spanish because the bodega down the block, he's been going there for years, right? And we treat that as it's a scarlet letter. And it's not. Black language, Black culture, Black traditions are just as valuable as any other. And to take it a step further, it is even more valuable because every other culture comes from ours. That's it. That's it. So if little Timmy speak French, guess where French came from? Hello. Exactly. <laughs> you know what, like, what you talking about? Uh, so it's in that way that cultural congruence is so important to me. It's like my life mission. I want these brands to talk to my people the way that my people want to be spoken to. And it's not a monolith. Black, I was watching Buried by the Bernards last night on Netflix. Yeah. Watch that. No. It's the funniest. <laughs> it's the Is funniest. that the one with the, um, the funeral home? Yes. Okay. And so my daughter comes down. She's like, what do you watch? I'm like, Buried by the Bar Bernards. She's like, what's it about? I'm like, black people being black. I'm like, it, there's no plot. There's no plot. It's just black people being black. And it's just hilarious because what, there's a thing that happens, and I'm going to get really nerdy. There's this thing that happens when you are watching something that is not your native language or not in your native understanding or native culture what ends up happening is if you think of i'm trying to look for something if you it's my pineapple <laughs> has water should have tequila but that's okay Back. <laughs> if you think of a stream of information right let's say you're i'll use my tea mug okay i'm gonna the camera down a little bit here we go tea, pineapple, water bottle. Okay, when you're watching something or speaking to someone in which that is outside of your natural native culture environment, the first step for your brain is to understand what they're saying, right? Like you're translating. So when someone... I don't know, white people talk about things that we just, we don't know what they be talking about, right? Our brain has to try to figure out what are they talking about? So that's step one. Then we have to think about how does this connect to me? Like, what, what, what does this mean for me in this conversation? Okay. Then step three is actually deciding if you want to enjoy it or if it doesn't feel good. Okay, that's three steps. There's more, but that's three steps that the brain has to do before it gets to a place of, I like this, right? Now, when you are talking to another Black person, or you're talking to someone who can speak to you in the language and the dialect and the tone that comes with the Black culture you're accustomed to, because there are multiple Black cultures too. So, just because we're black doesn't mean I would understand someone from the South necessarily, but I'm, I'm there. I'm halfway there because I'm black and 
it's, it's a thread that goes through most of our communities. When you're talking to someone who understands who you are, who speaks the language that you speak, you remove these two steps. You go directly from hearing to enjoying. So what I'm saying is when you have to move in a culture every day where you're translating, understanding, and then using it, you're working your brain double time every single day. That's exhausting. Right. It's exhausting, right? Like, it's, it's my, my, the other day my daughter pissed me off. I don't know how to hear this podcast. She pissed me off. And she just took me there, y'all. She took me all the way there. And as I'm talking to her, like, about how she took me there, because she seemed confused, um, suddenly, like, my, it went from how I'm speaking now to, like, a stronger New York accent, because I was very pissed off, and then completely in patois. And what happens is, the minute your guard is down, the minute you are not thinking about how do I sound to someone else, when you suddenly get down to like your nakedness, your emotional nakedness, you show who you really are. And so I don't have the time to translate the words in my head. So my default goes back to my original language. And there I can get my thoughts out without all of these barriers making for a straight line to communication is, is that a scary place to be when you get to that point where you're just speaking from because i think i've been to that point a lot of different times and that 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 jar is not so um pretty it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty at all it's like you should leave now right so so is that a good thing or is that a bad thing is that a, is that a where you is because that if you're saying that's your authentic self is that not a good place to be so we don't think of good and bad. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. We don't okay. think of good and bad, but we, we, now we recognize, wow, how much of my life is spent not being my authentic self. Okay. Oh, right. And when people, white people say that we're angry wow. and that we are mad, that is our authentic self. Mm. You know, okay. when you see a protest, that is our, our, authentic self we are stripped of the desire to fucking please you mm -hmm. right like we are now speaking the language of survival wow. and we're always going to go back to our default which means you should get your ass out of here because <laughs> i have i am done being political i am done trying to make you feel good about something um and so in that way now again you always have to think if as long as I stay in America, I have to code switch, right? Because when you walk into a job as a white woman and you have a Russian accent, people will go above and beyond to try to understand you. Oh, okay, she has an accent, but I'm listening. Okay, can you slow down? Great, awesome, thank you. You know, when you come into the office with a black accent, Caribbean, African, um, any black co continent or country or region, you automatically get dismissed. There's a reason for that, right? Like, why are why do y'all y'all are okay 
with making sense of Arnold Schwarzenegger and his broken English. He's had broken English for years and has made multi-million dollar films off of that broken English. How many films have you heard Black dialects in that have gone on to make millions? Wow. It, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It, fun fact. Cicely Tyson is my aunt or cousin, right? Whatever. Wait, the Cicely Tyson? Or yeah. rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, homegirl. Yes. Yes. Um, it's like this big, it's this it's this funny family uh secret, right? Um, and it's not a big deal because I mean I haven't met her, so I'm like, you're awesome on screen, you're a legend, right. but hey. <laughs> well, you know what the conversation in our family is? Is that you've never heard her accent on film. That's what we talk about. She's never used her accent on film. The only time that it has peaked out was in Why Did I Get Married Too? When they were on, I think they were in the Bahamas or Bermuda. And she was a part of a couple with that older man. And they were telling their story. That was the only time in her illustrious career that she spoke in her native accent. And it will we laugh about it as family, like, oh wow, she she sounds like us. It's real, you know. But what what it identifies is that we can't be our authentic selves in so many spaces. Um, and that is, you know, I shouldn't only show who I am, the rawness of who I am when I'm angry. I should also be able to speak patois when I'm happy and not have people completely disregard me and say, well, you should learn English. First of all, it is English, but it's a different dialect in English. But it, it, it's, it's, it's odd in that way, right? It's odd in that way that we don't get to be who we are and we've had to code switch as a mean of survival. Is it bad or good? No, it's just something you got to think about. And it's also something you want to really explore. Uh, if I go to St. Thomas or Nevis, for like two, three months. Cause you know, once I get out there, I'm like, ah, America who, who is that girl? Uh, but if I go there for two or three months and then I come back to the States, it takes me like three weeks to like slide back into American dialect. Like what's the word in this way, in this language or how do, what is the phrase that I'm trying to say? It doesn't always translate equally, um, but it takes me a while. and I always think about that because I always think about how many barriers do we have to just even communicate? Um, and I think that is what communications and culture is about. I want to remove these two steps for, for Black people. Right. You are already going to understand it because it's already in your native tongue. So now you can spend more time enjoying it, applying it not enjoying it, deciding if you want to enjoy it, you can spend more time making a decision versus spending the bulk of the time just trying to understand where this conversation is going or what this has to do with you or reading between the lines, right? Because that's a big thing. You know, people tell you stuff and you're like, what you know I think she's saying something. That's Cody. You know, it's like, you know what I'm saying? You have yeah. to think about that. And it, it's it's hard. And um, 
it is hard when I look at brands that we spend so much money on. Um, black women are the biggest consumer group. Um, we we are single handedly holding up <laughs> the United States economy <laughs> on your back. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and when you look at the things that we we buy and the things that we in the places we patronize, they haven't even made room for us. And I think that's frustrating. That's I want to spend my money with someone who understands me. There's this woman that used to um she played in uh my flag football tournament, raising money for cancer. She has a candle line now, right? And the candle line, one, the candles are amazing, lightthecandleco.com. Uh, but the candles are amazing. I have one somewhere on my desk. And the names of the candles are like Laundry Day, Don't Text Him, King, Queen. Um, and then she sends like these text messages that are like, is lit <laughs> still, you know like she is speaking my language and granted of course because she's online i have to pay for shipping and things like that but since i have seen the way she marked she's a black woman so her marketing is really just her talking in our own language since i've seen that i haven't bought a candle from any where else that isn't black owned and yeah it's a little bit more money and i you know don't get it immediately because it has to ship but i feel so much better about seeing a candle that says hey queen mm -hmm. you right. know when i wake up as opposed to eucalyptus and oil <laughs> <laughs> i know it's eucalyptus in there i duh but well, it's, I bought you. <laughs> yeah, right. it's like those little things those are affirming and i want what we were talking about earlier is like when you have to tell yourself today i will not be afraid your products should empower you right like the things that you use every this should say hey queen this should say for a single mom who has to drop this baby off at 7 a.m. Yeah. to get to school. Say that. Encourage me. Encourage me. I just spent $9 on this. Mm -hmm. And I have no emotional connection to it. Mm -hmm. And besides, y'all kicking Black people out of Starbucks. So, I mean, I shouldn't even have bought that. But it was already yeah. bought. But you see, that's what, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. When everything that you touch, everything you read has energy. And it's either empowering you or it's disarming you. And we need to pay attention to that as Black people. We need to understand that these brands have an intention. They always, you know that in marketing, they yep, have a goal. The project don't start without a goal. Exactly. It, they have a goal. And when you look at your your brands, the, the companies you patronize, if they're not speaking to you in your language, I really want you to think about how much money you spend with them and what is the alternative. And there are there are alternatives, right? There are black owned everything. And it takes a little digging and it takes a little commitment. However, you really want to think about is there a way for me to still get what I need from a person who understands me, from a person who thought of me when making this? And if the answer is yes, go get that thing from that person if the answer is no build it 
be the person who builds it. Wow. Right. My people, my people, my people, my people. Exactly. That's Listen, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about with his voice and the way you just be talking. Uh, I can listen for hours, but before we end, I I'm gonna call you out because Ooh. you are a writer. Oh gosh. Spoken words. You know what I'm gonna say. You know what I'm gonna say. I'm obsessed with your book, She's Your Daughter Too. <laughs> I love her. I love her. And, I heard that and, the night. I was like, hey girl. Listen, I'm like, I'm waiting for the second part because <laughs> you left me hanging in that last page and that last scene. I did, I did. I did. I'm shady. I'm know. I wanna know what happened at the ball. I wanna know. What happened? Oh, child, let me tell you. Okay. Now, I will, because I love y'all, and you know, this is family. Uh, okay. The next book is currently being written. Mm. 2020, 2020 almost took me out, y'all. I was like, wait a minute. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, 20 took me out. Um, but he's, he's probably going to kill me when he hears me say this. I talked to David Holiday the other day. Oh, okay. Yesterday, too. But I talked to him the other day, and he was like, are you ready? And I was like... Yeah, I'm ready. And fun fact, David Holliday created the cover for She's Your Daughter too. Yes, Temple of Love. There we go. Yeah. Okay. He's, talented. He's so talented. And so I remember calling him and saying, out the blue, thank God he picked up. <laughs> you know, I'll be shitting. Yeah. Uh, I was like, you know, I want to go out the window with this cover. And he was like, what were you thinking? And I told him and I was so nervous because it's like a woman hanging and I yep. was like this is very triggering and you know we know the history of lynching uh, but this is the emotion I want to evoke how relationships will kill you if you let them um and slowly and painfully mm -hmm. and we did that cover and so now we are think we are we are oh, in the mode for the second uh book and oh, can I tell you about the book? It is much more mature than okay. the first book. Well, um, the first one was pretty mature. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't know we could go deeper. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but she has matured, the main character, Dylan, she has matured. And what I can tell you is the first book was the series of vignettes, which she's taking yep. you through these relationships. The next book is a very long love letter. It's a very long love letter. So I am, I am so excited. so excited for her. I did not know she could get more mature, but she just shocks me every time. Um, and I have no idea what the cover will look like. Maybe I'll call David after this and be like, hey, any ideas? Do it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a big one. Because, you know, since that book, so much has happened to Black men and women, right? Yeah. Um, we've had Trayvon Martin, we've had George Floyd, we've had Eric Garner. I mean, we've had some really big events happen in our community that has changed how we love and what our love looks like, right? We, we've, we've moved into this warrior love. Um, and, and I think it's this incredible thing to watch terrible circumstances to be under but incredible to watch black women especially go to war um, for black men and black children and so all of that 
this is a promo. Like, first of all, I don't, I don't want you to say no more because I'm sitting here getting too excited and I got to wait. Yes, it's, it's a love letter because we are at war and all things are fair and love and war. So we are we are exploring some depth there and bringing her to 2021 with us. Um, oh, I am. She's your daughter, too. If y'all don't have it. <laughs> I'm excited. Before a second one comes out. <laughs> Honestly, you have to read it. This Because people are going to be mad at me and then they're going to be like, wait a minute. Right, yeah, right, right. Like, <laughs> like, no, okay. Tasca, I love and adore you. I love you too. Um, Tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, girl. Um, <laughs> you don't find me, leave me at, oh, no, I'm joking. Um, On Instagram, I'm... I study people, it's spelled exactly the way the words are. And uh, Twitter, I'm T underscore Lloyd, L-L-O-Y-D. And um, a Communications and Culture, the website, communicationsandculture.com. I do listen to emails and messages. And yeah, I think that's where you can find me. I feel like, yeah, I'll be there. I'm quiet, but I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Just You're there and shining. There we go. <laughs> you. Yeah, if you if you tech if you tweet me or um what's it called when you send me a yeah. comment or message or something, yeah. I typically get to all I can't get through all those comments. I love everybody, but the comments you give me anxiety. Mm-hmm. But if you send me a message, I will 99% definitely respond to it. It doesn't always have to be complicated, but you know, just saying hi. And I follow people. I do. I'd be like, oh, you want to talk to me? Let's talk. (laughs) So build community everywhere. There you go. This, listen, we're going to end with that because I just love you. So this is another episode of Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions. Until next time, make sure you follow our Instagram, Not Your Enemy Brand, and follow our YouTube. Like, share, subscribe, Not Your Enemy Brand. Until next time, guys. Later. See y'all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at VisionaryCCB and who is Tim K. Interested in purchasing apparel? Visit VisionaryCCBStore.com. Until next time, step out, step in, and step up. <laughs>